Let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter number 28. And once again, look at what happened to the Apostle Paul on the day of his shipwreck on the island of Malta in the late part of October, maybe the early part of November, in the year 60. Acts 28.1, after we were safely brought through, that is, everybody has swum to shore, everybody is alive, the ship is toast, it's gone. Uh, but everyone else, just like God had told Paul, are safe and sound on shore. He says, this is Luke, we then learned that the island was called Malta, or Honey Island. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. So everybody is wet. Everybody's going to continue to be wet. And so the locals have uh, made great big bonfires to try to keep everybody toasty warm uh, and perhaps to maybe start helping them to dry up a little bit. Now, Paul, it says, when he'd gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on a fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So, like we've already said, it is late, no, uh, late October, early November. It's chilly. And so, any snakes like this viper, which is, by the way, now extinct on the island. It no longer is, is, is seen there. Uh, it comes warm enough that it realizes it's in some sort of danger, and so it lashes out and bites the Apostle Paul in the hand and just hangs there. Now, the locals saw this happen. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he's he's escaped from the sea, justice will not allow him to live. So they have a particular sense of religious uh, concept that the sea god had tried to kill uh, this guy off because he was such a bad criminal, uh, but had missed him. And so another god, the god of justice, had decided to attack him with this serpent, which they knew was often lethal. Uh, certainly could make you very sick. Uh, and uh, that that is why it happened to Paul, because obviously there's Roman soldiers here, and there's prisoners for those Roman soldiers. Paul must be a particularly bad one, since he's the only one that doesn't look like he's going to survive the shipwreck. Uh, verse number five. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds. And they said, he's a god. Now, we know the Apostle Paul has had this sort of reaction once before uh, in uh, southern Galatia. uh, Whenever uh, the people started hailing Barnabas as if he were... Uh, the god uh, Zeus, and uh, Paul, because he was doing a lot of the talking, uh, they called him Hermes. 
And uh, they were talking in a whole different language, and so Paul and Barnabas didn't understand what was going on until later. Uh, and then they were very upset about it. Well, here, these guys uh, are also assuming that Paul must be somehow a divine being. And no doubt, Paul told them at some point, that is not the case. Let me tell you who I really am. And I'm sure he probably preached the gospel to them. Uh, now, verse 7 says, In the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. Uh, Publius is a Latin name. So this guy's probably the Roman uh, who is in charge of the island. And uh, he finds out about this shipwreck. He finds out about the people that were part of this shipwreck. And he brings Julius, uh, who is the centurion, into his home. And probably at Julius's prompting, brings Paul and his visitors, his guests with him. That would be Luke uh, and Aristarchus. Uh, there may be other um, people that were um, on the ship that were not prisoners that might have been high-profile individuals. They may have also been welcomed into the actual residence of Publius. Uh, but the big focus is on the Apostle Paul. Verse 8, it happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. So he has really bad uh, di uh, diarrhea and uh, maybe some vomiting that goes along with that. And he's hot. He's burning up. Remember that Luke is a doctor. And so he may have uh, looked at him a little bit and couldn't see a way to help him. But Paul does. It says that Paul visited him and then he prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. Now, you know he would have healed him in the name of Yehoshua, of he who is salvation, of Jesus. And then it says in verse number 9, when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured, and they also honored us greatly. Uh, so, Paul just begins doing his apostolic ministry here on the island. He heals Publius's uh, dad, and then other people start coming and saying, could you help us out? And Paul says, I would be glad to help you out in the name of Jesus. And he heals them. Now remember, healing is not the mission of Paul by itself. It is a gift, a sign gift, to help Paul get people's attention so that he can preach the gospel to them. So you can be absolutely guaranteed that for the next three months, which is how long they're there, Paul wasn't just simply laying hands on and healing people. He was preaching the gospel, and he was bringing people to salvation in the name that is above all other names. And he established effectively a church presence on Malta. Uh, and I would not be a bit surprised that the traditions that Publius was one of those that embraced the gospel 
are correct. And so at the end of that time, verse 10, they also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. So the new believers, the Christians of Malta, uh, and even those that had not converted to faith in Jesus Christ, but had received healing at the hands of the Apostle Paul, those folks were so thankful for what he had done uh, that when the uh, earliest part of spring sailing season came around, uh, they made sure that Paul and uh, his his companions, that'd be Luke uh, and Aristarchus, that they were fully geared up uh, for what remained of the trip. Verse number 11, after three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Uh, so this ship uh, had apparently not made it to Rome with their, its cargo of Egyptian grain, uh, but they had put into port and uh, waited it out. Uh, now, it's the earliest part of the sailing season, so I would guess that we're probably in February, uh, maybe the very beginning of March, but it's safe enough, relatively speaking, that they can make this next jog northward uh, to Rome with their cargo. Verse 12, putting in at Syracuse, and uh, if you look at a map of uh, of Mediterranean, you can see that the island of Sicily is immediately north of Malta, and Syracuse is one of the ancient ports on the uh, east side of Malta, excuse me, of, uh, of Sicily. And then uh, we stayed there for three days. Uh, from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. Now, Regium is actually on the boot tip of Italy. And you'll notice, uh, if you see a map, that there is like a, uh, a gap between the football of Sicily and the boot tip of Italy. And all the ships bringing uh, grain from uh, Egypt have to go through uh, this narrow place uh, so they can go up the coast of Italy. And so that's what this ship is doing. Uh, it says, and on the uh, after one day, a south wind sprang up, so they're getting blown straight from the south, which is perfect for going up past Naples. Uh, and on the second day, we came to Putioli, uh, which is uh, where some of these grain ships unloaded their cargo during this time period. Uh, they would dump it there and it would be carted up uh, the main Roman road from Putioli up to uh, Rome itself. And so that's uh, where they get off. Uh, there we found brothers, so Christians, and we were invited to stay with them for seven days. And evidently, Julius, the Roman centurion, had no problem with that. I wonder whether or not by this time Julius might have embraced the gospel. Uh, and so why do they stay seven days? 
Well, we've theorized a couple of times now that when that happened, that they may have arrived on the first day, or excuse me, on the second day of the week and had just barely missed the worship day, the, seven, uh, the first day of the week. And so they stay seven days in order to be able to meet with the larger church at their regular weekly meeting. Maybe that's what happens here. Uh, but eventually, they head for Rome. So we came to Rome. Now the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. Now because they spent about a week down at Puteoli, runners or messages made it all the way up to the city of Rome, and the Christians there, uh, having discovered that the Apostle Paul had finally gotten there like he'd intended uh, when he wrote them the book of Romans a couple of years earlier, they get all excited, and some of them can't wait for him to arrive, so they travel partway down the road to meet him and escort him into town. Now, on seeing these guys, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier that guarded him. Uh, so now, why are we here? If you've forgotten, the Apostle Paul, as a Roman citizen, used his right to imperial review, that is, to have his case specifically heard by the emperor, to get himself sent off to Rome and not have to deal anymore with the legal system in the Middle East. Well, he's now entered into this bureaucratic waiting list, and he's not going to be detained in a jail cell because he's not a condemned prisoner. Uh, but he can't just kind of free range over all the place because he is um, being watched uh, as a uh, detainee, I suppose, awaiting disposition of his case. So he has to be chained to a, uh, his centurion every day. Uh, but he's going to stay in a place uh, awaiting the paperwork to progress. But he is allowed to have as many visitors that as he wants. He can have people come and go as they please. Uh, he can probably even have church service in his place. And so what he does next is meet with the people who are Jewish in Rome. He apparently can't go to the synagogue. That, that seems to be off his list of opportunities. But that doesn't stop him from inviting Jewish leaders in. So verse 13, after three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. So he reaches out and says, I am a Jewish rabbi, and I would like for you all to come and meet with me because I'd like to talk to you about some very important things. Uh, so when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people, that's the Jewish people, 
or the customs of our fathers. Now, that's very Pharisaic. He's talking about the Pharisee uh, way of life. So nothing against the Pharisee traditions. Yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hand of the Romans. So even though I'd behaved myself and did nothing wrong, I ended up in Jewish custody first and then in Roman custody. Verse 18, when they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Gaisar. So there is Paul's own explanation of what happened two years plus earlier. The Romans were under the impression that there was nothing of a case against him. Certainly nothing worthy of capital punishment. But the Sanhedrin wouldn't let the Romans run with that. They insisted that Paul be put on trial in front of them. And Paul says it was at that point that I had had enough, so I appealed to Caesar. Remember, he said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal where I belong as a Roman citizen. No one can hand me over to the Jewish Sanhedrin because of that. So I appeal to Caesar. And the moment he spoke those formal words, the Roman procurator of Judea had no other choice. He had to pack him up and ship him off to Rome. Remember, he was a little bit upset because he wasn't sure what to write in the paperwork. So he had King Agrippa II listen to Paul. Uh, Agrippa and his sister Bernanke both agreed after hearing Paul that uh, there were no charges, that if, uh, if Paul had not appealed to Caesar, then he could have been set free. But uh, that was just the situation. So that's what Paul is summarizing here. He says, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. So Paul says, I didn't even have anything that I was griping about uh, against them. Verse 20, for this reason, therefore, I have asked to see and to speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. Now, what's the hope of Israel? He's mentioned this several times now. It is the resurrection from the dead. That when you die in faith, you will live again in a new body. That's Jewish faith from the Old Testament. And so here is Paul saying, I want to talk to you guys and appeal to you because we share this same hope. I'm on trial because of that hope. Now, their response to him is, well, we've received no letters from Judea about you. None of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. Uh, so whatever the Sanhedrin might have hoped as a follow-up against Paul, it hasn't made it here yet. Uh, so Paul is basically got a nice clean slate with these local Jewish leaders uh, where he can talk to them about the gospel 
without the Sanhedrin messing it up with their preconceived condemnation of the Apostle Paul. Uh, So it says, uh, verse 22, We desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect, that is, the sect of the Nazarenes, or those that believe in Jesus as Messiah, he says, of this sect, we know that everywhere it's spoken against. Uh, Now, Paul and uh, the other apostles have not yet been to Rome. He's the first one of the apostles of the Lord to arrive here. Remember, he was kind of talking about that when he wrote the letter to the Roman believers a couple of years earlier in the book of Romans. Uh, But there are plenty of Christians here already. Uh, Some of them probably came back from conversion uh, at that first Pentecost, and they were carrying out their faith in small groups. And then we know that some of Paul's converts, some of Paul's friends in the faith, they moved to Rome. Some of them moved back to Rome, like Aquila and Priscilla. Um, And these guys are carrying on their belief system uh, in pockets of Rome. And so they, these Jewish leaders, they know that there's believers out there, but they also know that there's others that really hate them, that there's some Jewish people that feel very strongly against this group. And so they would like to know more. And Paul is quite happy to do that. Verse 23, when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. So this is at his place with his chain and with his Roman soldier. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. So he's holding teaching sessions. New Testament gospel sessions there in his uh, place of residence. Uh, Now, some were convinced by what he said. Some people were convinced and became believers. But as has always been the case when Paul preaches to the Jews in a new city, others disbelieved. And many of those people that disbelieve, they get really irritated and hateful and spiteful. And uh, Paul uh, deals with that conflict in this way. Verse 25, disagreeing amongst themselves, they departed after Paul had made one more statement. Quote, the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, And then he quotes from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they've closed, lest they should hear, see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and then I would heal them, end quote. Now, this is a passage that Jesus used already in reference to the same generation of Jewish people, these first century 
Jewish people that rejected his message and which was now rejecting the gospel message. Uh, it comes out of the time of Isaiah's ministry when many Jewish people were rejecting the Old Testament gospel of repentance and living the righteous life. And so God's somewhat sarcastic reply to that attitude was, well, you've got ears, you got eyes, but you're not using them. Because you know what? If you actually used them, you would repent, and then I could save you. Uh, and uh, so there is a not-so-subtle critique here by the Apostle Paul of this disbelieving generation in Rome. And uh, that doesn't mean he's going to give up on them. It just means that he's got a hard road to hoe. Verse 28, Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God, that is a reference to Jesus' name, Yehoshua, is he who is salvation. So, this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. So Paul did the exact same thing in Rome that he's done so many other places. He gave the gospel to the Jewish people first. And once it reached out to the bulk of that population, and they'd made their minds up one way or the other, and there was some negative kickback from the disbelievers within the Jewish community, Paul said, okay, I discharge my responsibility I told you about the Savior from the old scripture. I'm moving on to the others that God wants evangelized. That'd be the Gentiles. And so Luke wraps up his, his story with this. He, the Apostle Paul, lived there two whole years at his own expense. So that takes us through 61 and 62. Uh, that Paul was living in his own little apartment there, paying for his bills, which means he needs cash inflow, which churches are going to provide. He welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So he did his ministry from his apartment in Rome, and that included writing some letters.